your Bibles to Hebrews chapter 12 and stand with me this morning. Hebrews chapter 12, reading out of the King James Bible, the one Paul preached out of. If you're there, say amen. If you're on the screen, say amen. Okay. Still bring your Bibles. I told them about every third Sunday to use this camera right here. And those people that don't have Bibles, just put them on it and just like zoom in. Put them on television. And then the little caption says, Bibleless. Bibleless. Not really. Maybe. Hebrews 12, 1 through 11. And you have forgotten the exhortation which speaketh unto you as children. Forgotten what? The ones the Lord loves, he chastens, and he scourges every son that is his. If, say with me, if. If you endure chastening, which is disciplinary correction, training, nurturing, God is dealing with you as sons. For what son is he whom the father chastens not? But if you be without chastisement, without disciplinary correction from God the Father, whereof all of us are partakers, then you are bastards, you're illegitimate, and not sons. Furthermore, we had fathers of our flesh which corrected us, and we gave them reverence. Shall we not much rather be in subjection unto the Father of spirits and live? For they verily for a few days chastened us after their own pleasure, or according to what was right in their eyes. But God always for our profit. Why? That we might be partakers of what? His holiness. Now, no chastening for the present seemeth to be joyous, but grievous. Nevertheless, afterward it yields the peaceable, fruitful, the peaceable fruit of righteousness unto them that are exercised thereby. And before you're seated, give me just a moment uh, to talk to you, and then you can be seated for the rest of the day. Paul said, we've forgotten this. It's no longer brought up. It's not part of our fabric. It's not a constant theme. We've rejected it. We've dismissed it. We've ignored it. We've placed it aside. That the Lord chastens, which means correction. Uh, not just in word, alignment. And that word chasten means to bring pain to to make uneasy, to make necessary adjustments. And then it says, and scourgeth every child. That word scourge in the Greek means to flog, to whip. And because of our culture, you know, we don't, do, we don't think that, we don't do that, we call that abuse, and we exile God to that same mind frame. But this is what he says, if you are my child, I will go to painful measures. Drastic measures, unmistakable measures to bring you back to nearness and to bring you back to wholeness. I love you too much. God whips our mind and our emotions and our relationships. And I hope today, by the grace of God, when I'm done with this sermon, you have a completely different or deeper paradigm shift about the word chastening and see that 
this culture has created a new image of God that does not match up with his word. Behold, therefore, the goodness and the severity of God. He's serious about you. He'll outlive you. He's going to be consistent. And it may be the answer to the question of your heart. Why are these things so? And you'll see today it's because of the love of God. Let's pray. Father, I'm asking you not only for your anointing today, but for the capacity to clearly articulate these truths in such a way that they would reach the deepest part of who we are, like water reaching the lowest spot. Let it go down deep into our soul. Turn the lights on in those corners. Let us see where we have heard error. Let us receive with meekness the engrafted word of God, which is able to save and deliver us, because the entrance of your word gives life and light. And we bless you today for the change that will come through the preached word. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated this morning. How can believers forget about the chastening of the Lord? Because we don't believe in His judgments. We don't believe that the will of God could be painful. Jesus told his disciples about how he was going to go and die and be uh, beaten and whipped and flogged and crucified. And Simon Peter says, be it far from you. Now this is Simon Peter correcting the Son of God. That's not how God deals with you. The will of God can't ever include torture or pain. Be it far from you that this would happen to you. And Jesus spun on a dime and said, get behind me, Satan. Well, Simon was just trying to keep him from the cross. Simon was just trying to keep him from pain. No, Simon was trying to keep him from the will of God, and that's satanic. And there are places in the will of God, in correction, in doing ministry and serving, where things are difficult and others are corrective, but God uses all things. And these pastors and ministers that will tell you that God is not an abusive God. No, he doesn't abuse, but he uses things in this world to bring about eternal fruit and righteousness. He is not concerned about us keeping everything we own. He is not concerned primarily about our physical well-being, although he's the Lord that heals us. He is primarily concerned that our spiritual life will be good, pure, and last. And he uses those other things. I submit to you that anyone in your life that tries to keep you from the will of God is working under the anointing of Satan. That's what Jesus said. Get behind me, Satan. So the people that were crucifying him, his enemies, were pushing him towards the will of God. And Simon, who's his friend, was keeping him from the will of God. And you have to be able to spiritually discern in your life what's of the Lord and what's not of the Lord. We don't want a chastening God. We want a soothing, non-evasive God. One of our own making. One that lives to make us happy, healthy, wise, blessed, whole, prosperous. And he promises those things. But God disciplines and you can't dissect him you can't take one part away and emphasize the other there's a a global ministry not too long that was opening up a pastor school and one of their tags line taglines was ministry without tears ministry without come to our school and we're going to show you in God's word where he wants you blessed which he does happy 
Well, it doesn't say that, but he wants us to have a, a happy life. He wants to give us good things. But it also says that we, through much tribulation, will enter the kingdom of God. And the way is narrow. And the, the discipline is serious. And when you hear of a God that only gives you cake and ice cream every day, the Bible says that that would make you a bastard. So how do I know that I'm a son of God? The witness of my spirit, the written word of God, and the constant pattern of God chastening me. Jerking me back in line. Whipping me. Removing privileges from me. The theology of this age makes no room for it. When our theology can't accommodate chastening, our tendency is to find ways to discount it or discredit it. By the time we've finished disparaging the aspect of God's ways, we've basically dispensed with it. And even now dismissed, it's easily forgotten. We forgot about the chastening of the Lord because we've pulled the teeth out of it. We've reduced it to, well, uh, just repent and go on. But God doesn't spank like we spank today. He spanked like mom and daddy did yesteryear. Your kids ain't scared of your time out. And I'm not, please don't, I'm not saying you can't use those things. I'm just saying that fear is a strong motivator. My daddy had a deliverance ministry. And he'd take me in a room, I'd come out about three minutes later. To all that are concerned, I am healed. Attitude is adjusted. No problem from me. Room is clean, dog is fed. Everything, everybody's good. We good, Daddy? We're good. It wasn't the everyday, but the promise of it was every day. I got a whipping every Sunday of my life. As a kid, no, you didn't. Oh, yes, I did for cutting up in church. I would, there was no children's church back then. You just looked, pardon me, don't get mad at me. You just looked for the biggest grandma there, and you'd nestle up into all that cozy, and you'd go to sleep. You know, y'all remember? You color under the chairs or sleep. And I'd find Ernestine or somebody, Grandma Ernestine, and I would just go out. <laughs> but I would turn around, wave at everybody, and wave, and Daddy would be like, I'm going to kill you. I'm going to kill you. So Mama sat me on the piano with her, and I'd reach up my finger to the piano, and she'd say, don't do it, baby. Don't do it. Mm, don't do it. Don't do it. So when she, it was done, uh, it was Daddy or Mama. I forgot. Which one marched me down the aisle? Was it you? Mama marched me down, grabbed me up, feet just trying to find ground. She said, I got to about the fourth row, and I said, for the love of God, people, pray. 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 And if you were to interview me, why do you mean pray? I'm about to see dead relatives. Do you hear me? This is not going to end well. Now listen to me. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. And we're in a generation that does not fear him at all. Now, Brother Wood, I disagree with you theologically. I have to stop you right there because we are not punished for our sins. Christ paid for them. Exactly right. My sins are paid for. But the heart and the attitude that produces these actions, he will not let stay in me. The chastening is not for my sins. It's for the disposition of my soul. Change the attitude. None of this, sit down, the little boy says. 
I'm sitting down on the outside, but I'm standing up on the inside. That's what you got to get at. You got to get at that root. And there's no theology today of God's teeth in his judgments. When's the last time outside of this church that you've heard a message on taking communion? And God's, and you, I preach this all the time, God would never. That's, that's, that's blasphemous to say he would use sickness or sorrow or pain or accidents. God, that's, your God is my devil. I had one tell me that. Your God is my devil. And the scripture says that there's some of us that take communion without discerning the body of the Lord. We're not discerning the price he paid for us and that he redeemed us and he is over us and he's sovereign and he's the king. And he said, and that's why some of you are sick and others have died. Died. So you take communion and you're acting like everything's right. You ignored the voice of the Holy Spirit and God says, I'm going to start out at this level. And there's some that would never bend or bow their knee. And they died in the faith. Well, Brother John, do they go to heaven? Well, if they're born again, they do. But the opportunity for reward, lost. The opportunity for service, lost. They'll be known as least in the kingdom. They forfeited earthly opportunity for temporal rebellion. Some, some of y'all got kids, you could, hit one, you could hit one of them with a little switch one time. and he, I'm, sorry, I'm sorry, he's good, he's fine. And, um, I debated on telling you this because I know there'll be somebody out there that's going to twist the words, but it's truth nonetheless, and I, I need to tell you. Kelly called me this last week and said, when you get home, so-and-so-and-so's happened. And it was very disrespectful, rebellious, and um, both of them. And I need you to discipline them. And I sat down and talked to them. And I told them that I was disappointed. I reminded them how much I love them. And I said, but now, Daddy has to spank you. And I'm not scared of you examining my children. Because I would never harm my child. But it hurt my child. The dentist hurts me. But he doesn't harm me. See what I'm saying? So I said, come here, Isabel. I separated them. I popped her on her little, right behind her little leg. And she kind of laughed. Yeah. Now, please hear me. I know, I know this part of you are laughing, but I am, I, at the moment, I'm just trembling. because I want to be so conscious not to do too much. And I said, do you think that's funny, Isabel? And on the third one, her little lip quivered, and then she started to cry. And I held her, and I cried over her. The most vivid memory I have of my daddy is after he would spank me. I remember his tears falling on my shoulder. He said, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. But you will not disrespect your mother. Do you understand? Yes, sir. And I said, now look at me. We're done. Tell your mama you're sorry and mean it. And we're done. You're not guilty. It's not, I just have to, I can't let that go unchecked. But we think God, because we stand and sing our choruses and give a few dollars, is going to look the other way when there's a root of bitterness. There's a root of selfishness. There's pride. There's envy. There's lust. And he will whip you. And some of us have it attributed 
months of pain to the devil and the devil ain't nowhere around. Or he's an instrument the Lord is using to get to your attention. We don't think we deserve it. And because we've discarded our rod today culturally, spanking is horrible, it's a crime, and all, all these other things, because we can't see God any differently than we see ourselves. And because we would not do that, we feel God would not do it. But I could give you 20 scriptures. I'll give you just a couple. He that spares the rod hates his son. But he who loves him disciplines him promptly. That does not mean you take a stick and beat your child to death with it. It means that you bring about enough pain, physical, just stimuli that they know this is not allowable. And God said if we withhold that discipline from our child, we despise our son. And culture tells us one thing, but the word of God tells us the other. Chasten your son while there's hope. And do not set your heart on his destruction. Without chastening, they go into destruction. Blows that hurt cleanse away evil. And stripes enter the depths of the heart. Foolishness is bound up in the heart of a child. And the rod of correction will drive it far from him. We don't believe that God disciplines because in our culture we don't. But God, God will grab your attention strategically in things that matters m- most to you. And here's the big one. We struggle. We struggle with blending, chastening with goodness. Do you remember the story in the Old Testament when the Jews were taken captive into Babylonian captivity? Some remained in Jerusalem and the others went into captivity. The ones that remained in Jerusalem, God pronounced a death sentence on them. He said, you're never making it out. I'll cause you to be destroyed. You'll see the death of you and your children. and The ones into exile, he spared. And in the verse, it mentions his goodness toward them. Let me read this to you. Hosea 3. You shall abide for me many days. You will not play the harlot. You will not be for another man, and I will be with you. For the children of Israel will abide many days without a king, without a prince, without a sacrifice, without an image, without an ephod, and without teraphim. Which means I'm going to be far from you. You're in Babylonian captivity. You're going to suffer all of these things. No voice of the Lord. No word from the Lord. No priest. No songs of faith. Nothing. But afterward. Say afterward. Shall the children of Israel return and seek the Lord and David their king. And they'll fear the Lord and his goodness in the latter days. Fear his goodness. Not just the Lord. When God chastens you, he's giving you his very best. Because we who are earthly, we can do too much discipline. We can do inaccurate discipline. We can do inappropriate discipline. We can do excessive discipline. His is perfect. And outside of the cross of Jesus Christ, there is no greater expression of God's love for you than his measured discipline. That's the goodness of the Lord. It's the evidence that I am his son and that he's current with me and that he's watching me. 
And can we just go get right down to just take that right shoe off? We'll go to that last toe and push on that last toe. Sometimes we, we feel like, just leave me alone. Just leave me alone about it. The person, the thing, the habit, the, that connection to that which harms us spiritually. God, just leave me alone. Don't ever ask him to leave you alone. Because if he removes that, he removes his goodness. The fact that he troubles me brings me great consolation. That he is near me, he is current, and he is taking the appropriate measures to root out of me that which would keep me from his very best. And on the surface, when they went into exile, it looked like the ones in Jerusalem were favored and the ones that weren't, because they had it easy. No war, no strife, no nothing. He said, they're dead men. Now, the people that got taken off into captivity lost all their land, lost their homes, lost their money. They're the loved ones. They died and they came back to the land and they feared the Lord and his goodness. Isn't that strong? But beautiful. God will not and cannot abuse a believer. But he will chasten and scourge. They scourged Jesus with a cat of nine tails. But we feel like God wouldn't scourge us. It's kind of heavy, isn't it? God does chasten us, number two. He chastens us with perfect knowledge, pure intentions, precise timing, exact measure, clockwork consistency, familial tenderness, unfaltering determination, and to the rebellious with increasing measure. I remember one time my daddy was spanking me and uh, he pushed me back. He said, now let me check you, buddy. Let me check you and make sure daddy didn't, daddy didn't spank you too hard. And he looked at my legs and, you know, yours. <gasps> you remember that kind of crying? You can't talk. And if your parents leave the room, I hope they get hit by a car. <laughs> you know how you're, just, you're dying. I hate him. I hate him. I hate that kind of thing. That's what kind of crying it was. He said, let me check it, let me check it. Look, and I remember like yesterday. I'm 55, I remember like yesterday. He put my face in his hands and the tears were just pouring out of his face. And he said, I would go to hell for you, Johnny. I would go to hell for you. I did not understand then, but I do now. Isabel, I will... I will risk you being distant from me. I will risk you misrepresenting me to other people. I will risk their false ideas about me as a father to love you with discipline. And by the way, I wondered where my daddy got that, that he would go to hell for us. And Jesus, though he did not suffer in hell as a sinner, went into the lowest parts of the earth to bring out those that were trusting Discipline. Discipline. 
God will chasten you. He has chastened you. And some of you attribute it to the enemy. And whether the enemy was used or not, you need to understand that the enemy does not order your steps. God does. Chastens. I was born again when I was a little boy. But I tell people July 6, 86, because that's the day as a man that I gave the Lord my entire life surrendered. I had crazy stuff happen to me while I was away from the Lord. Man shot at me. You know, for real. Oh, yeah. Walked in. I took my dog outside to use the restroom, come back inside. Three men in my house, one holding the TV. He drops the TV, and he was as close as me to this pulpit. Boom! And blew the wall out behind me. When the policeman came and I told him, he said, well, that couldn't have be because you'd have powder burns. I said, I'm telling you, I could have touched this guy on the nose. Well, what'd you do when he shot you? I ran. What do you think I did? <laughs> you always have these visions of somebody shoot at me. I'm going to take, you know. I had a plan for him. If he run, run after me, he'd have died of smoke inhalation off my shoes. That was my plan. But things like that that would sober you and chasten you to bring you back in line. To bring you back in line. It hurts, but it's not to hurt you. It's to bring you back in line. I don't know if I've ever told you this, and it's very shameful. And I hope you don't feel disrespected, but I feel prompted. Before I ever knew, I'm in college, I wasn't even married. There was a, a girl that... Uh, told me she was pregnant, told me that I was the father. And uh, I went and told my mom, and I said, Mom, I can't, and all she wanted was money for an abortion. And this was in the 80s. And I said, I, I can't do that. I, I, can't, I can't do that. And I went and told her, and she said, so you think I'm going to keep this child? You, you think I want a, a child with you? I just need you to help me get rid of this child. I said, I, I can't do that, but I'll take the child. If you just carry the baby, I, I'll, I'll take the baby. And she made this statement. She said, whatever day it was, the following Tuesday or Wednesday. She said, at 11 o'clock or whatever time it was, I want you to be thinking about me in that doctor's office because I'm going to be thinking about how much I hate you. I later found out, of course, that I was sterile, so the child was not mine. But do you know that my father loves me so much that he would let cruelty reach my heart and shake me out of my slumber that says do what you want have sex with anybody do whatever you want there's no ramifications and sobered me which prepared me for the eventual surrender of my life and do you think God would let someone shoot at you or harm you or scar you to bring you back to him absolutely Yes, because that memory is temporal. My life is eternal. And God deals temporal cards to bring out eternal realities. 
He chastens us with our failures. He chastens us with other people's immaturities. He chastens us through opposition. God resisteth the proud. When, when it feels like all your plans are opposed, your business is opposed, opposed, your pleasures, your efforts, it's like you feel like everything's against you, because it is. God opposes you to frustrate you, so you'll ask the question, what's wrong? He chastens us through pain, physical, mental, emotional, relational, spiritual. And you can write this down. If it's not painful, it's not chastening. He will let and plan things to wake you back up. That's how you come in the world. Pain. Pain brings about new days for you. He chastens us through loss. The loss of health, wealth, status, relationships, and opportunity. Through conviction. He chastens us through conviction. Our awareness of our sin and God's displeasure over our life. He chastens us by withdrawing himself. King Saul said when he visited the witch of Endor, he goes, God doesn't answer me anymore. I don't feel his presence. And listen, one of the most scary places you can be in as a believer, if you start living out your faith by memory instead of your current reality. I don't feel the Lord anymore. I don't feel him in church. I don't feel him at home. Why? Well, he's withdrew himself. One of the scariest scriptures in the, Lord, in the word is where Samson said, And the Spirit of the Lord had left me, and I did not even know it. You can try your best. Listen, when God is withdrawing himself from you, you can try your best. You can read a book a day. You can give more. It's just dead. And he does that because he does not want you settled in a Christless religion that allows you to sin against his word. He chastens us by troubling us in our sleep, by keeping things at a distance from us, like a capacity for joy or pleasure or rest or peace. There is no rest, saith the Lord to the wicked. You know what that is like? Those of you and those of us that are believers, anybody else like naps? Oh, childless naps. Oh, attic fan naps. Us guys, how many guys got more than two fans, two or more fans blowing on you tonight? I got two overhead and one about this big that parts Kelly's hair. It goes from one side to the other side. <laughs> Kelly comes to bed in hoodies, you know. What was I talking about? I lost my place. <laughs> Hold on. Oh, no rest. No, I, I got it. I got it. I'm there. So imagine your soul about to close its eyes. And Izzy will come in. Daddy! And, and you jump. You're just about going into REM. And, you know, you jump up. And you go, Kansas! The answer is Kansas. What? 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 Come open this peanut butter for me. Where's your mother? But that moment of just about rest, wake up, wake up. That's how God treats us in our life. I will not let you feel at home or rested in this current situation. I will trouble you. And we get angry. 
What's the big deal about this one sin? What's the big deal about unforgiveness? What's the big deal? It's that I will not give. God will not give. Now, we're not perfect, but our heart can be perfect. He chastens us by confinement and isolation like Jonah and Samson. You got three days in the belly of a fish, you have time to think. Samson grinding in a mill, mill house, blind like a donkey, chained to a millstone. And God puts us on our back. I had someone tell me one time, they said, I resented that you talked about the Lord putting you on your back. I said, he did. Because there's something about the thunder of isolation that brings clarity to your soul. And God knows that every kid's not the same. And some people he does isolation. Some he does opposition. And he knows how to chasten you for the highest yield. He chastens us through our memories. The prodigal said, uh, in my father's house is bread enough to spare. And here I am dying with hunger. What am I doing? You remember being a woman of God. A man of faith, a man of prayer. You remember standing on a platform, singing the praises of God. We remember being out of our addiction and then easing back into it. We remember, and that memory God uses is not to torture us, but to provoke us to where we can't stay in that place of chastisement. David said, listen, listen. It was good for me that I was afflicted. Oh, the Lord doesn't do that. Talk to David. David said, you caused the waves to ride over me. You ran the chariots over me in the street. You did all of this because you loved me and you cared for me. You, you, you brought great sorrow into my life. Lord, allow these bones that thou hast broken to rejoice again. You broke my bones, but it wasn't to hurt me. It was to keep me from wandering off your ways. And it was good for me. You are good. The church today is called defects on God. And we've created a culture where it's just popcorn and cotton candy. And God's, you know, you go in a bookstore, a blessing for every day instead of a chastisement for every sin. I ought to write that down. That would be a good title. It wouldn't sell no books, but... He chastens us by allowing us to reap. Be not deceived, Galatians 6 says. God is not mocked. For whatever a man soweth, that shall he reap. If you sow to your flesh, you'll of the flesh reap corruption. But he that soweth to the Spirit shall of the Spirit reap life everlasting. Why does God chasten us? And this is my last point. Because we're His. We're His. And you know, you know what I love? As heavy a message as this is, you know what I love about it? He doesn't let anybody else chasten me. Because they'd do it wrong. They'd do it excessive or not enough. They'd feel sorry for me. They'd let it last too long. But because he knows me so thoroughly, he lets it go up to that moment. He goes, now stop. John's heart will turn. That's enough. He loves me. He loves me. And he knows if he left me to myself, I would destroy myself. God loves me. God loves me. I asked him one time, early on in the history of our church, uh, 
they were having different conferences uh, and had guest speakers for church planting. And we had several church plants and we had 1,200 people here and Warner Robins going and, you know, we're starting Cochrane. And I said, Lord, at the ministries conference, they had a guy teaching church planting, had one church and 30 people. Now, numbers aren't everything, but they do stand for people. And I'm like, what? Nobody ever asked me to share. And clear as a bell. And I'm humbling myself before you today. Clear as a bell. He said, the reason I don't give you that opportunity because you do not have the character for praise. And you asked me to keep you. And then I saw it. I was too immature for public recognition. And he kept it from me because he loved me. Do you see? When you recognize God in it, it changes. Everybody else goes, oh, I'm so sorry. No, it's good. It's good. My soul is well. He keeps from me that which would harm me and will not withhold any good thing when I walk uprightly. Ben, if you'd come here, please. He chastens you to humble you. Why is God doing this? Why is he opposing me? To break that rebellious spirit. And he will not relent. He will not give up until that attitude changes. That sin is letting go of. That rebellion is done. He does it to mature us. Oh, and he does it to keep us. To keep us from greater sins. Greater grief. Stronger bondages. Unspeakable regrets. Every time he disciplines me, it's not punishment for the sin. It's preventative for the next thing in line. It's to keep me near him, to keep me safe, to keep my baby safe. It's to qualify us. As we mature, he can give us more and do more for us. It's to assure us of our identity. I know, beyond I know, beyond I know, that I am his Son, period. If you told me you had 30 seconds to live, I'd have all the mixed emotions. But spiritually speaking, I'm good. I have the witness of the Holy Spirit and a lifetime track record of Him chastening me. That's my proof. And you see Christians that name the name of Christ and live like hell and live in sin. And they said, Lord ain't convicted me. I used to tell them, you know, I'd, I'd go, I don't understand. And now I do. I, said, I believe you. I believe you. But my child, his child, isn't getting by with that. Because it would tend to destruction. And it's to prepare us for heaven. All of that's going to be rooted away. A bride without spot or blemish or wrinkle. I want to read this to you and play one song and we'll dismiss here. David said in Psalm 119... It was good for me that I was afflicted, that I would learn your statutes. The law of your mouth is better to me than thousands of gold and silver. Your hands have made me, God, and you fashioned me. Give me understanding that I might learn your commandments. They that fear you will be glad when they see me because I've hoped in your word. See, they see this broken, judged, alienated Seemingly abandoned David. And he said, no, 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 Lord. They'll see me 
And they'll be glad because they know I hope in your word. I know that your judgments, listen, your judgments against me are right. And in your faithfulness, you afflicted me. I pray, God, that your merciful kindness be my comfort according to your word and to your servants. Let your tender mercies now flow unto me that I may live. Let the proud be ashamed for they dealt perversely with me without a cause. But I will meditate in your word. Let those that fear you turn to me and those that have known thy testimonies. Let my heart be sound in your statutes. And let the result of all of this chastisement, repentance, and restoration keep me from shame. I know this is a hard, direct message. But someone has asked the question, why are you against me? Because I love you. I'm opposing that. Guys, would you cue this song? And here's what I'd like for you to do. Just close your eyes. Just close your eyes today. And listen to this as they play it.
Would you stand with me, church family? As we go out from this week, I want to remind you, especially for those today that are being chastened. When it has its work and repentance is true, the first thing he does is loves on you. Feel his pleasure. You feel his peace. The capacity for joy in the simple things returns. You know it's good. In that old hymn, it said, And in thy presence daily live. You'll be going through your day, you go, God, yeah, just checking. <laughs> you know, been so long, you was wet, just checking. I saw a friend of mine this morning, a sister, and I said, Look at your countenance. Thank you for loving us, Lord. Enough to be the parent. Enough to measure out accurate, loving, timely, consistent, strategic discipline. Keep us, oh Lord. Keep us near you. Thank you, Lord, for the afflictions, although they were very grievous. They have yielded the peaceable fruit of righteousness in our life. We don't want to be spoiled children, Lord. But we want to grow up and make you proud. We don't ever want you to look down and feel like you've created us in vain. But that we can bring you joy by willingness, willingly obeying. We love you, Lord. We're grateful. As we go out from this place, Lord, keep us, Lord, this is what I ask. Make us aware that the same hand that provides corrects. But that means you're close enough to us to help. Thank you for never forsaking us, for being forever married to the backslider and loving us so unmistakably. In Jesus' name and all God's people said, have a wonderful Lord's Day. God bless you.